Hello, welcome back. I have absolutely loved talking to you guys about these episodes. They have definitely come from my heart and I pray, I have prayed so hard that you would hear God speaking through me and I'm trusting him with this episode today because it is one that I just like cried typing up my thoughts and my notes and searching the verses. And I'm going to try to record this without crying today, but know that this comes from my heart. Know that I think this topic is extremely, extremely important. And I also believe that it's one that we just kind of gloss over as everyday life. But today we are going to talk about being resolute in our marriages. So here it goes. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Living on Mission. I know that sometimes it's hard to find the joy in Jesus in the everyday moments, but that is exactly what we're going to do by digging into God's word, letting go of whatever is holding you back from living on mission for Christ, talking about the everyday life, laughing a little and crying a little, because let's be honest, we all do a little of both. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, and let's live on mission together. All right. So I realized, first of all, that not all of you, not all of you are married, right? I know that. Or maybe you are single. Maybe you're a young woman who is listening to this. Let me say this too. Moms, I'm not going to get graphic or anything, but I will make reference to some marital relationships. So you may want to put your earbuds in uh, while you listen to this or wait until you drop the kids off at school, but it's not going to be anything um, X-rated, I promise. But this is part of our relationship. Going back to, I know that not all of you are married. And let me say this too. I know that some of you listening to this today may be divorced. Uh, You may be going through a divorce. You may be considering a divorce. I don't know. This is not a judgment in any way, shape or form of anyone's marriage. I really, and really want, truly want to tell you the story of my marriage and my struggles, but also talk about how we can absolutely fight for our marriages. And maybe you will be fighting for a future marriage. Maybe you will restore a marriage that has ended. I don't know. I know God can do anything. I know God can do anything. I want to say that if you are not married yet, find a man who loves God. I mean, make it non-negotiable. I know I always heard that. And I was always like, yeah, sure. I will. I was lost before I got married. I was not a follower of Christ. So it it just kind of like slipped over my head whenever people would say it, but it is so important. And know that even if he is a man who loves God, he is going to be imperfect. He is going to be imperfect and you will be imperfect, but God chooses to put two imperfect people together to represent and to mirror his relationship with us. And marriage is beautiful. Marriage is valuable. Marriage is a gift from our creator. And I just don't want anyone to, to take it too lightly. And I will also go one step further and say, counterculturally, I believe that marriage should be between a man and a woman. It is just makes sense. You can't put anything else together and, and create children. It was his design from the start for a man and a woman to be joined together in holy union to, to procreate, to make more of the people that he created out of love. And I do think that our culture is 
telling us otherwise, um, forcing it on us, forcing it on our children. And I believe that it's something that we must stand firm in defending the value and the sanctity of, of marriage, just like we do the value and the sanctity of human life. Okay. Got that out of the way. Now let's dive into this. And let me, let me say also, you know, I, I don't take lightly your feedback. When you share something with me from a podcast, when you share my podcast on social media, like that means the world to me, not because I want you to make much of me, but I truly, truly am seeking to share God's word in these podcasts. And the more that I do, the more that we get it out there, the more that we impact the world for Christ. And it's not easy to live counterculturally in this world, but it is something that we are called to do. So let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about marriage, right? Um, Okay. So here is how Matt and I met. We always love to joke and tell people that we met online, which I guess back when we started dating was kind of different, but now today it's actually pretty cool. I think it's cool that you can meet somebody online and, um, you know, get to know each other and all those things. So I don't, don't mean any disrespect in that way, but to, to us back then it was funny when in reality, how we met was that I was a junior in high school. Matt was my substitute teacher. He is about eight years older than me. And so He is a twin as well. And in high school, he and his brother, who were very funny, very funny and still are, uh, would come and they would sub for our classes. And I always thought that Matt was the cute one. Now, listen, they are identical twins, very identical. But there was just always something that I noticed about Matt that I thought he was cute. Uh, we did not start dating when I was a junior in high school, but we did when I was in graduate school, my sister, his sister-in-law set us up and I was coming out of a relationship that had lasted a long time. And I wasn't really looking for anything, but you know, still thought he was cute and needed something to do. So we went out and it just kind of went just kept going from there. So like a year and a half later, we were married. We lived apart uh, the first six months of our marriage because I was graduating graduate school from graduate school. So I was in school in a different city for the week. And then I would come home on the weekend, which was fun. But quickly we realized that being married to someone, both of us, very independent people, very independent people who had lived our own way, like done whatever we wanted to, you know, slept how we wanted to, all those things. Being married to someone was no joke. Like there was an adjustment. And also I've shared this before. I was lost. I was lost. I had grown up in church. I had been there nine months before I was born, but I did not give my heart and life to Christ until about six months into our marriage. And so Matt being a very, very godly model of what God's love looked like for me, because, you know, you've heard my story as well about PMDD, my hormones were crazy. And this poor man had to live with me through that. And, and so like, I quickly saw how he loved me, even when I was unlovable, like I said, I'm going to try not to cry, but he did love me me that way. And he was just such a a beautiful model of, of how God loves us, even though we don't really deserve his love. Right. And for the first time, you know, I have a great dad and we have a much better relationship today, but I didn't really have that fatherly love growing up. My dad was, was my parents divorced when I was 12. Dad will tell you, he even really wasn't that present or, you know, in our lives. And so I didn't know, I didn't get that love that God talked about in his word. And so Matt modeled it for me for the first time. 
And I came to Christ, uh, came to accept God's love and his sacrifice of his son after we were married. And, you know, like this could be the point where, you know, oh, things got so much better and, and my hormones, I learned how to control them. And I loved Matt better because I was a believer in Christ. No, I feel like Satan came after me even harder. Um, my hormones got worse. I, did, I didn't know anything about how to take care of my body. I didn't really care that much. I was just, okay, taking a pill and, and just, you know, just trying to figure it out, you know, like this is my lot in life. I got to deal with it. I'll just make the most of it. Right. I was not to that point where I really wanted to change my health. And so it impacted my family. It impacted my marriage. We had children uh, four or five years into our marriage, which was wonderful. Probably some of the happiest memories of, of our marriage. And a lot of that is because I was not dealing with hormones. I was pregnant or nursing, pregnant or nursing. And so I was very much myself filled with joy over these two little boys that we love so much. But after that, I, you know, I had to, my hormones came back. I had to deal with them. And that's really when I, I fell into my home workouts and my nutrition and learned how to love my body. But as I was, I was thinking, and I was praying over this and I was praying over what to share with you when it came to our marriage, I was, and still can be very selfish in this relationship of mine, uh, very selfish in, in how I treat Matt and what I expect from him. And that is a confession. That is a full out confession. I've confessed it to God. It's something I work on. I pray about, but I can be very selfish when it comes to my relationship with my husband. Um, I, you know, for some reason, I guess we could blame it on daddy issues or whatever you want to. I've, have always felt like Matt owed me something, you know, that, that he should love me more or love me in a different way. Very much living in my own self-absorbed world, even after I came to Christ. And like I said, we can then blame it on anything. We could blame it on the fact that I didn't have a present father. We can blame it on the fact that there was not really a model of a godly marriage in my life, but I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't blame our actions that we choose to make every day on something else or someone else. Why? Because we are women of the word and we have the exact what we need, how to book for our marriages at our fingertips. And I'm talking about the Bible now. That sounds great, but you may be like, Rachel, well, where does it say how to treat my husband when my hormones get out of control, right? It doesn't say word for word, do this, don't do that. In every scenario, I get that, but there are a lot of things it does say that can guide us in our marriage. And I am about to spew out some scripture to you and I'm going to put it in the show notes and you can listen to it again, but these are verses that do tell us how to live and how to love our man. Okay. Uh, Philippians four, eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What if with that verse in mind, Instead of looking at the flaws of our husband, the flaws that we see, the shortcomings that we feel like he has, what if we actually started to look for what is good, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, ex excellent, praiseworthy, and we started to see those things in our man, that alone, if we, don't, if we stop right there, that alone would change our marriages, would change our relationships. Okay. Colossians four, six, let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And mm, 
Okay. That convicts me right there. So often I snap at Matt so often. I'm like, why didn't you do this? So often he walks in the door after work and I'm like, Hey, I got to go run out the door. You got dinner. You know, I don't stop and say, Hey, how was your day? I love you. You know? And so that is a verse that I need to, to embrace and to execute in my marriage every single day. But God's word does give us direction. My friend, it does tell us how to love, how to live, how to coexist in this marriage together with this man that God has given us. Proverbs 31, 11 through 12 says her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. Whoa. That's one of the verses where I want to cry because I can't, I can't honestly say that I believe that Matt has always had confidence in me or that I have brought him good all the days of our marriage. Uh, But I want to, I want to, I want him to, to be proud of me, to be proud, to call me his wife. Um, Not because I look a certain way or I'm perceived a certain way, but because I love him, but because I love him and I love him well. Genesis 2, 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. Mm, This is where I can say, cover little ears. We were meant to be joined together. We are supposed to have relationships with our husband. We are supposed to be available and excited to be intimate with our husbands. God designed it designed it that way, not only for the procreation and or reproduction of little lives and little mouths and little people, but because it's, it's designed to bring us joy and to be comforting and to be a union that we have with no other, nobody else. We're not supposed to have that union with anyone else. Sex is good. So we, I, and I personally talking to myself and all of this, my friend have had to pray for me to love it. I do love my man. He is very special to me. I want nobody else. But again, I'm very selfish. I want to lay down and go to bed. I want to have that time for myself. I want to watch a show by myself or I want to go to sleep early so I can get up and and have my quiet time and do my workout and work my business, right? It's me, me, me. And when it's about me, I'm not meeting the needs that he has. But listen, I'm also missing the point and not meeting the needs that I have physically as well. All right. So I want to encourage you in that. Colossians 3, 18 says, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now, I don't care if you like the word submit or not. It's there. It's in black and white. It's in the Bible. And I do believe that God created men to be the leader of our household. And I know I get that not every man is leading in every way that he should. But I have to ask myself, am I allowing him to lead? You know me. If you know me at all, I'm type A. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. I like to get things done, but there have been times in my own marriage where I have to pull back and say, Hey, Matt, what do you think we should do about this? Hey, Matt, would you like to take the lead on this? Hey, Matt, I could really appreciate it. If you would take over this part of, of our lives, our finances, our family, whatever it might be, we are here to submit to him, to encourage him, to build him up and, and to be the wife that God created us to be Hebrews 13. Four, let your marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Adultery is wrong. I mean, we know that we know that yet 
you know, so many, so many marriages are broken by this one simple act. And sometimes it's once, sometimes it's twice, sometimes it's multiple times. And I've never had to endure that. I pray that we never do, but you know, I've seen marriages come back from it. I've seen marriages restored when both parties are willing. And so if that's you, if you've been in that situation, know that God is a God of forgiveness. There is now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, right? The let the marriage bed be undefiled from this day forward, from this day forward. First Corinthians 13, four through eight, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Hello, Rachel. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Clear roadmap clear roadmap for marriage, for relationships, for what it should look like to coexist with another believer in, in the marriage union. Ephesians 4, 2, this is the last one. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I'll tell you, I struggle with this. I, I struggle with humility. I struggle with gentleness. I struggle with patience. I struggle with bearing with anyone in love who gets on my nerves. And that's on me. That is my fault. That is my shortcoming. But I think so often that we read these verses and we think that we are supposed to treat everyone but our spouse this way. We're supposed to make sure that that person at church knows that she's loved and that I care about you and I want to take care of you. Or we 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 pour all our time and attention into our children or we pour our time and attention into our social media and making sure that the world perceives us a certain way and that, you know, we're these philanthropists or, you know, we care so much about all these people who are reading this post but our spouse, oh, he, oh, he knows the real me. It's okay. Right. You know what, but what if the real you, the real me lived according to these verses when no one is looking and we're not on social media. And like I, I, like I said, I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone, because here's the thing. I'm not in fear for my marriage. I'm not fearful that it's going to end tomorrow. I'm fearful that I'll neglect it today. And later on down the road, it'll just be Matt and myself living in a house together, no real relationship, just, you know, coexisting, but living our lives for, for everything, but the marriage that God has given us. And I'm not a fool either. I know that our marriage is susceptible to temptation and to wrong and to sin, right? I want to fight. Like I want to fight for this marriage that God has given me. I want to fight today when there is no temptation and when there is no adultery. I want to fight today when I go home tonight to a man that cleaned my kitchen last night and loves me very well. I want to fight day in, day out when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed. And here's another thing. Here's another really, really hard truth, hard question that I want to ask you because this is destroying marriages. Ladies, we can't be women who watch Hallmark movies or watch Bridgerton. And we wonder why we're unhappy in our marriages. Those shows, those movies, those, whatever they are, are not reality. They do not depict reality. They depict a false world where real things are not happening. And just side note, Bridgerton is porn. Okay. I can say that confidently. 
because Jenny Allen said it first. I love Jenny Allen. If you're listening, Jenny Allen, I hope you're listening. Bridgerton is born. I had to come to that realization that that was sin as well, but it's a false reality. It depicts a marriage union or a romantic relationship that is not reality, that does not face the challenges that we face in every single day. So let's put our phones down. Let's stop watching movies that cause us to question our own marriage. Let's stop consuming anything other than God honoring truths that, that build our marriage up and help us to reflect on ourselves, right? Let's get radical about living this life for Christ. And that includes in our homes, in our marriages with our men. All right. I've talked a lot about getting radical in the last few weeks about chasing down Jesus in all areas of life. If what, if, Think about what if we got radical about loving our husbands the way the Bible tells us to. That would be letting go of past hurts. That would be daily looking for the good in him instead of what annoys you. That would be asking him about his day, sending him off to work with a kiss on the cheek and a hug around the neck, right? That would be initiating intimacy with him. That would be praying for God to give you a desire to be intimate so that you can initiate it. Guys, like that's, we have to ask for these things. If you don't feel that desire for your husband today, it doesn't mean it's not there. It means that maybe you just haven't made it a priority or a focus or ask God to come into that part of your life. I believe that the ripple effect of these choices in our marriage is huge. It has the potential to be huge in the world around us. I love ripple effects. I talk about it all the time. What if you have a marriage that's full of love? That means that you have a home that is full of love. If you have a home that is full of love, your children see that and they know that they are loved, right? And if you have children, if we are raising children who are loved and feel safe and secure and have this godly model of what marriage should be, or at least see their parents fighting in Jesus name for what it should be, we are raising little children who are going to change the world for Jesus. We are raising little children who are going to be ministering to people in jail instead of being in jail. We're raising little children who are going to save themselves for marriage instead of facing a situation where they have to decide if they abort a baby. I know these sound like extreme examples, but it's so true. It's so true. And it starts with you and me. And I don't know about you for sure, but I am ready to stop worrying about how I think Matt should treat me and start working on how I treat him. That is my heart. That is my conviction. That is my mission in sharing this podcast today. I am so imperfect. I am the, the least perfect wife probably that you will find out there, but I'm hungry to change who I am, change how I treat him, change how our marriage is, is going forth every single day. And I want him to know he's loved and I want to love him the way God called me to. And so with that, with that simple, short message on being resolute in our marriage, I would love to end this podcast today with a prayer, with a prayer for you, with a prayer for me, with a prayer for whomever is listening, whether your marriage is great or if it's on the rocks or it's already over, or you've never even, you haven't even met the man you're going to marry. I want to pray for marriages everywhere um, that God would just be at the center of them. So I'm going to do that right now. God, we just praise you for, for being a God who goes before us. God, 
you know, um, you knew who I was going to marry you. I believe you created him for me, God. And I just thank you for, for this man that you have given me to love. And God, I just pray that you would please forgive me, forgive me for not loving him the way that I should have at all times. God, forgive me for, for not making him a priority in my life. God, I give that over to you and I ask you to, to forgive me. And I repent and I want to turn and I want to, to change that God. I thank you for your word that is so filled, filled with examples, with instructions, with direction about how we are to love others, God, but especially love our spouse. God, I pray for the woman listening to this today who may be struggling in this area of life, who may not be confident in how she loves her husband, or she may even be considering, you know, leaving her marriage or, or defiling her marriage. God, I pray that you would please just help her to stop. God, help her to, to get into your word, to, to look at these verses or guide her to verses that you want her to hear from you, God, and just help her to have a heart that seeks to, to know you and honor you and, and live for you above all else, God, even before her marriage. And God, I pray that you would restore her marriage that you would bring hope and peace and joy and love into the walls of their home. God, I pray that you would please just help us to be those women who are convicted to live for you in every area of our life, God. And I pray that you would strengthen marriages all over the world um, right now, right here this week, today, God, and that, that that we would, we would change the way that we look at our marriages. If we are not honoring our spouse, submitting to him, loving him, praying for him, God help us to be women of prayer for our marriages each and every day. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share my story. I pray that it encourages someone, God. And I just pray that in, in your precious and holy name, Jesus, that you would, you would restore what you have put together in Jesus name. I pray. Amen.